This is Center Stage, putting your firm in the spotlight by highlighting business owners and other industry experts to help take your firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson. And this week, talking about one of the, honestly, the most important things that you can do as a firm owner, at least in my opinion, and that is to delegate different tasks responsibilities, whatever the case is. And I know it's tough. Um, I've I've even been in this position. I don't own Spotlight Branding, but I have people that work kind of under me on the accountability chart and I had to delegate things and it was hard for me to let go of those things sometimes. But look, you know, at the end of the day, even though it might be hard for you to trust other people to do things as well as you can, or to know that they can do things as well as you can, it's it's going to make your life easier. And this week, we're talking with someone who has the proof to back all of that up. Uh, Attorney John Cannon uh, joins us to talk about what he's delegated, how he did it, what the results were. So John, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to join you today. Awesome. So yeah, before we jump in, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you practice and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, John Cannon, owner of Cannon Associates in Oklahoma City, and we are fierce advocates for families and freedoms. So our our primary practice areas are family law and criminal defense across the state of Oklahoma. Awesome. So, you know, obviously you own your firm. Um, When you first started, you know, what other kind of tasks and roles were you performing on top of the legal work? Did you start out as a true solo or did you come in with like a partner or like a staff or anything? No, I was true solo. So I was working for the government as a federal technician, which allows you to take outside work that doesn't conflict with your job. And so I started taking cases here and there uh, and eventually got busy enough that I decided to go that direction, which has really been a blessing. So I, I rented an office from a, a great attorney here in Oklahoma City, and I just hit the ground running. So it's just me. Uh, his staff would answer the phone, but the second it was related to my firm, they would transfer the call to me. So I was receptionist, secretary, legal secretary, paralegal, marketing assistant, sales director, sales coordinator, firm administrator, billing specialist, accounts manager, junior associate, senior associate, law firm owner, rainmaker, and list goes on and on and on. Yeah. So then, you know, at, how long were you in that world kind of doing everything yourself and how did you kind of, you know, how, what, at what point did you get to where you're like, I can't keep doing all of this anymore? Yeah. So I immediately knew that I would not be happy in that role. I'd come from working uh, as an assistant attorney general, uh, other state attorney roles where, you know, we had support staff and we had paralegals and we had administrators that ran the office. So I know I wanted those things. So always been a student of the game. I love Spotlight Branding's content, just tons of value. But I listen to a lot of other podcasts and read books on law firm management. And I knew immediately that I needed to step out of being everything in my office. So, you know, from a lot of things that I've been reading or mastermind groups I was in, realized I needed to find a way to delegate the lowest level task as soon as possible. So I got an answering service, uh, Smith AI. There's many options. Mm -hmm. Some are better than others. Uh, I got an answering service and they answered all my calls eventually. And so I was no longer a receptionist or secretary. And then I went from having zero employees to one employee to another employee to an associate and just trying to be strategic that each time I hired someone, 
they had a, a key role, a job description, key performance indicators, metrics to make sure that they were on brand, on culture, and on task to do what they needed to do so that they were clear on what was required of them so that I could focus on the higher level things. And so I, I tried to focus on delegating the lowest level tasks the earliest and, you know, months and months later started to have the bandwidth and the revenue to bring in some higher level, uh, really talented folks. And we've just been growing ever since. And so yeah. the past three years, I've gone from renting an office space to having a law firm with 20 employees and eight associates. Nice. Love it. And so, you know, it, one of the things I mentioned kind of up at the start, you know, is at least in my experience, it was difficult for me to let go of things that I had been doing for several months, years even, and and being able to trust someone to do it, maybe not as well or exactly the way that I would have done it, but at least good enough to keep things moving forward. In your own delegation process, I mean, even now, do you maintain any element of control over the things that you used to do, or is it completely off of your hands and someone else's responsibility? No, I'm a big advocate for delegate, don't abdicate. And so I try and stay in touch with all the different aspects of the office. And I'm blessed with an amazing team, including great admins that you know run different sections of the office, that they have their own job descriptions, key performance indicators, metrics, and tasks from me. Uh, but it's been super hard for me to delegate. I'm type A plus, as I like to call it. And I'm very task oriented and I want things done a certain way. I want how we interact with every potential caller, every potential sales meeting, every follow on to potential sales meeting, new client interactions, clients we've had for 30 days, clients at the 60, 90, 120 point clients that their case is getting towards resolution, how we litigate, how we interact with the opposing counsel, like all those things I want control of. Like I'm passionate about wanting control over those things, but I found that if you find the right people, which is really hard to do, but we've been blessed to find some good people and let go of some not so great people. Uh, it's yeah. a constant process, but we've been yeah. really fortunate to find the right people, give them clear job descriptions and key tasks, and then work with them. You know, don't just drop somebody in a role and say, peace, go, go figure out what I want you to do. Uh, but we're getting to the point bandwidth wise that, you know, people come on and I think it's really powerful to have them not do anything substantive for a week or two and just learn how to do things the way you want it done and have that open conversation, whether it's you have a block of time each week that people can come to you with questions or an open door policy or some other arrangement. Just keep that conversation open. And so, no, I, I think it's really important to when you give tasks to people, make sure they understand the purpose, the mission, how you think it should be done but also that you're open to them giving you better ideas. There's a lot of stuff I'm far from the best person at at this office. And so finding the right people for the right role and then letting them make it even better. There's lots of stuff I'm not good at. And so there's people in this office that have built things out better than I ever would have. Yeah. I, I love that. And um, I mean, you know, you talk about, um, you know, having good people on your staff. And I mean, um, it's kind of off topic, but I mean, is there any, is there any element of your hiring process that you feel like you guys have, uh, that, that you've done really well that has allowed you to find these really good people on your staff? Yeah. The thing is, is that great people typically have good jobs. I mean, they're not just, they're not just 
poof out of magic. They don't just appear like a, a mirage. I mean, they're people that are you know passionate about something. They're good at what they do. And they either have a pain point with where they're at or they're wanting to transition. That's the only reason that good people leave jobs are two of the most common. So yeah. we try and we could be better at it, but we try to make job descriptions that are sales pitches. We've got a page on our website, why you should join us or come work for Canon Associates. And we put out on social and we advertise. Uh, we don't currently use headhunters, but I know that a lot of people are big fans of recruiters. Uh, but no, we absolutely are trying to find the best people. We're always recruiting uh, and making sure that at each step of the process, we're cutting out some of the fat. So like our job ads go out on all these different hiring platforms and they say, Please respond to this ad through this email, spelling your name backwards, attach a PDF of your resume and your cover letter in your cover letter. Do these five things. Uh, you know, there's jumps, there's hoops that we ask people to jump through, not to be annoying or right. maintenance, but to see who will follow through. And that's yeah. been a really good you know, process for us. And then there's multiple steps in our hiring process before someone ever interviews with the office or interviews in person or does a working interview. And I found that that can be systematized too. Like, you know, early on I would hire somebody and I, I looked at the wrong things and I've had some people that were not the right fit for law, not the right fit for our team, but you learn and grow. And we've been really fortunate to continue doing that. And so now we've got a detailed hiring process and it's step A through Z and it's working time and time again, because it's hard for me to come to terms with what I'm good at can be written down and systematized. But it can be all the things that we're good at. If it's the right person in the right role, it can be systematized. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and and we do we do something similar here. And you know, it like to your point, you know, it it finds the people who are genuinely interested in the job. You know, if you just post a job listing like on Indeed or something, and just you know think that you're going to just look at everybody that hires through indeed, you're going to have a thousand resumes to look through. Mm -hmm. And most of those people were just clicking to apply just to apply. And so, like you said, you, you send your, you know, have something in the job post that says, send this or send your application to a specific email or whatever. We've done that. And I mean, I've seen it eliminates like 90% right off the bat. And I think you scare away the wrong candidates and get the right candidates fired up. You know, I had a job post about, you know, we're looking for a receptionist to do ABCD and experience required. Well, like you said, that's going to bring a thousand people. But now our ads are like, we're a high volume, high paced practice. We have over a hundred new potential leads a week. We do ABCD and intake. You'll be required to do X, Y, Z. This is how the process works. This is how the team is set up. That will scare the living crap out of somebody that's at an office that says, law office, how may I help you? And right. then 30 minutes later, law office, how might I help you? But if someone's like, man, I love the fire. Like I want to jump in. It's going to be a good fit for them. Yeah, exactly. So um, it kind of, kind of going back into our delegation conversation. I mean, Ed, you know, I know you said, I mean, you've got a bunch of people on your, on your staff now, is it just all in-house or have you used um, like virtual offshore assistance? And I know you also work with a couple of vendors as well. What does that, that makeup look like? Yeah, so we currently have one virtual assistant that is out of South America. And, you know, as far as the investment's concerned, it's very profitable to us because we pay them more than they would get paid for a different job there. And their mm-hmm. schedule allows them to spend lots of time with their kiddos uh, because of our time frame difference for them. So like during the workday, they're, they're with their kids and then they mm-hmm. sleep when 
when they can. And then in their evening time, they're working with us. Uh, so it's a little bit more difficult to have oversight with the direct interaction, but they have to input stuff in our case management system. And we have meetings with them weekly and track how things are going. Yeah. So one, it's been profitable. Two, I think the management piece is a little bit more difficult, but great return on our investment. And we're about to hire a new virtual uh, marketing assistant. So yeah, we've got two people in that role. Like you mentioned, lots of vendors that provide different services. And then the majority of our team is here in staff in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, and, and you talk about, you know, not wanting to relinquish control. And I think for a lot of people, the the idea of maybe a virtual assistant or even working with a vendor might be scary in that sense because they're not there in the office with you. You the, So you almost have even less control over kind of what they do and, and how they perform. How did you approach that? working with vendors or working with a virtual assistant? Yeah. So I think it's just like people in office, you know, be clear about what your expectations are. You know, the role of spotlight branding for my firm is to do ABC and I want XYZ returns on ABC and spotlight mm -hmm. branding as a subject matter expert. And you guys do this day in and day out. I don't spend my whole week on marketing and content generation. And so other providers like you do a direct mailer for everyone arrested in our community. That's your skill set. And I expect XYZ return on that. So it's identifying the right people for the right seat outside of your office for things that maybe you're not big enough to do in-house or maybe you just have no interest in doing in-house. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's really great. So what benefits have you seen, you know, now that you've delegated, you know, you're, you're probably years into this at this point. What benefits have you seen personally, either just in your work life or even in your personal life, now that you've taken off a lot of the non-legal, at least directly legal tasks off your plate? Yeah, it's been powerful. You know, uh, to quote one of the greats, Michael Gruber in his book, E-Myth Revisited, he said, if your business depends on you, you don't own a business, you have a job. And it's the worst job in the world because you're working for a lunatic. And I yeah. think there's so much truth to that. So. Every time you can look at an organizational chart of what your office needs, like what are all the roles that are filled or should be filled, and then start ticking them off one by one. Take yourself out of those different pieces. So I've found the more and more I work on the business at a leadership and vision level than in the business, it's exponentially more profitable. So on the, on the profitability of the business side, you know, if you're working on cases and in the weeds of things, you're working at that billable hour of service. If you're doing reception work, it's less than $20 an hour. If you're doing associate work, maybe it's $150, $200, $300 an hour. But if you're working at the visionary, the next six months, the next 12 months, the next five year level, you're doing stuff at thousands of dollars an hour, if not much more. As far as the family side, you know, full, full candor, I've got court this afternoon and I've got one court appearance tomorrow morning. But other than that, I haven't had any court in the past three weeks. And so that gives me the ability to be strategic with time, to do things that pushes the business forward. I spent a week out of the country with my wife and three kids the other week. Two weeks before that, I was in Florida for a week and a half with my family. Uh, and I'm in the National Guard as a judge advocate, and I'm deploying this fall for 11 months. So I'll be overseas for nine of those months, but I'll be completely off the ground here at the office, but having the right people in the right places 
allows you to delegate roles and tasks where you can step out of intake and step out of client meetings and step out of sales and step out of answering calls and step out of client pain points and step out of the numbers and step out of billing and all these things. So it's, it's changed my family life. Uh, it's changed how I interact with this business. Uh, and obviously new level, new devil. I've got problems I didn't have six months ago or a year ago, but I feel like I've got the bandwidth to address most of those at this point. I hope that answered that question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it's, it's what I think most lawyers strive for when they go out and open their firm. They want to be able to have that flexibility and that bandwidth to be able to take, you know, an overseas vacation for a couple of weeks with their family and not worry about, you know, everything burning down while they're gone. Right. You know, I mean, to your point, to be able to, uh, you know, do this with the National Guard, be deployed for almost a full year to where you're not going to be in Oklahoma in your office, but you have the confidence in your team that you've built to keep things running smoothly and, and to, you know, to keep things going. And I think that that's, I I mean, I, I, it's, it's really great that that's where you are. And I think that that's where a lot of people want to be. I think it's important to like take an area of your office, which I'm trying to do with something new now, but take an area and step out of it for a week or a month. And then talk to the people that are involved, talk to the clients, talk to the potential clients and see what broke. You know, mm-hmm. at some point we got to let go of the reins on some parts of the business and some parts of our life. And so I found it's really powerful when you just, and it's hard for me, I'll be candid. Like I'm, yeah. I'm a neat freak. I like type a plus, but step out of it and then do an after action review as we call it in the army, do an AAR, see what broke, see what needs help, see what could be improved upon record calls, listen to those calls and then up-level the people to do those things so that you can step into higher-value work. Yeah, absolutely. And so kind of the, the last question, it's a good kind of transition um, to this. You know, you talk about right person, right seat. Um, we have similar terminology here. In your definition, what do you mean by right person, right seat? So I think it starts with, looking at the big picture, you know, looking at an organizational chart of your office or your ideal office, you know, where do you want to be in two or three years and who does what, you know, maybe you like I as a law firm owner have some people that wear two or three hats, do two or three jobs, which of those are the most, most important for a person, you know, so identify, I need somebody that has A, B, C, D skill set, And then it'd be nice if they could do this well, but the most important thing is that they're good at answering the phone or the most important thing is they're good at writing or the most important thing. If you're in a litigation practice like family or criminal or PI, they need to be good in court, you know, identify the most important things that someone's good at and then only give serious consideration to potential staff that meet those roles. So we're blessed to be at the point that now we're hiring more and more often for one person to fill one seat. And so we can be more strategic, but earlier on, I had a lot of people that were really good or pretty good at lots of stuff, not not a ton of subject matter experts, but people that could do billing and could talk to clients and could talk to potential clients and could do admin tasks. But now, or as organizations get larger and larger, you can get more and more specialized staff. So to me, summing it up, it's being clear with yourself about what roles you need filled in your office and Mm -hmm. being clear with yourself and what that job entails and what the key performance indicators are for that role. 
And then as you market that job and interview for that job and evaluate people in that job, be strategic. Is the, are these people at each step of that process fitting these roles that I have? And so I used to suck at that. We had a lot of growing pains. We had a really toxic office at one point that led to a couple people needing to be let go. So it hasn't been a perfect journey and we're always working to make it better. We're struggling right now to fill two positions that are really important because we apparently can't get the right message in front of the right potential employee. Uh, but I think it's important just to be clear with yourself about what your needs are, what those roles entail, and then evaluate people based on a role, not just, oh, I like this person. Well, if you like them, what job are they going to be really freaking good at in your office? If you can't find one, then maybe be friends on Facebook, but don't hire them. Right. Yeah. And that, and that was going to be kind of like my final like wrap up here is just like, okay, we have right person, right seat opposite end. You have wrong person, wrong seat. Obviously that's, you know, they, they move on, but then what about maybe right person, wrong seat? You know, you might have a lot of that, but to your point, you know, it's, it's really got to evaluate, you know, maybe they are a great person, but maybe they're just not the right fit for the firm and the roles that you have there. Right. I mean, we interviewed someone yesterday that's the right person for the wrong seat that we were evaluating them for, but we think they could be great for something that we need as well. So we're contacting them to see if they'd like to come in and do a working interview for that role. And if they're happy with what that looks like for at least the next six, 12 months, and we think they can do that task, then we'll fill that position and keep looking for a person we can't find at this point for a different role. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, And again, you know, just it's, a never ending adventure and always something new coming up as a firm owner. And so, you know, if you have the right kind of mindset, it it can be really exciting and a really good life to live. Um, John, this has been absolutely incredible. Um, A lot of great insight. Um, If people want to get in touch with you, kind of pick your brain just about, you know, delegating or how you've structured your firm so that, you know, they can have kind of similar growth track that you've had. How can people get in touch? Yeah, they're always welcome to visit our website, which is jpcannonlawfirm.com, or they can uh, hit me up by email, which is john at jpcannonlawfirm.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there, uh, and welcome people reaching out to us that way. Or if you want to be old school, you can always call our office, which is 405-657-2323. Awesome. And I'll have all that information uh, in the show notes. Uh, One final question for you before we let you go. It's uh, one that at least I try to ask every guest here on Center Stage. And that is, uh, if you had one final piece of advice for our listeners, what would it be? Yeah, I'd say that no matter what level you're at, know that you need to protect your time. And so I think it's really important, whatever level your firm is at or bandwidth you think you have or don't have, Put some block calendar in place, protect some times of the week that maybe is slower and make that when you're going to work on vision, work on what the next six months, 12 months, 18 months looks like and find ways that you can delegate tasks so that you can spend more and more time on the things that we're supposed to be doing, which is being a leader, being a visionary and growing firms that serve more people the way that we want people to receive legal services in our community. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, if you're on the fence about, you know, relinquishing some control, 
I, you know, John's a good example here. Uh, you know, he's done it. It didn't bankrupt him. It didn't cause the entire firm to collapse. Like you can absolutely get a ton of growth out of it. Uh, and that's going to do it for us this week here on center stage. Thank you so much for, uh, continuing to listen. Uh, make sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. John, thanks so much again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.